Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pigskin Pundits on this Wednesday, January 4th, 2017, midnight playoff edition on Blog Talk Radio. I am Mark Ferraro, pleased to be joined, as always, by my good buddy, Thomas Murphy. And the Murph Dog is the first time that we're doing the show since the finals in fantasy football, and I know it wasn't the result you wanted. But, man, you have one heck of a season. Oh, thank you, man. But, uh, oh, my gosh, did I get get worked in that final or what? That was, uh, yeah, that was pretty sad. I mean, I was pretty much out of it by uh, Saturday afternoon. I looked at one point, I think uh, Ricky was up by 80 points. But, yeah, he had had an absolutely legendary day. So it's not much anybody could have done against that. Yeah, because, Tom, of all people – that had a big performance. You know, you could throw out Russell Wilson. He had a great game against the Cardinals. Beckham did his thing. But the guy who I bashed so many times on the program this season, yep. a guy who I had for a few weeks, Bears wide receiver, Cameron Meredith. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. No, he was definitely uh, – I think he put up more points than uh, OBJ that week. And uh, – yeah, and OBJ did pretty well, so it's kind of funny who uh, who can end up really, uh, you know, coming through for your team. And, of course, I started the Bills' defense, and despite getting one interception, gave me negative three points. So, uh, yeah, I pretty much had no chance there. And, uh, well, yeah, it was uh, fun. I was a little – I was I was pretty excited. I thought I had a chance, but no. Ricky really put me in my place, but uh, looking forward to 2017. Hey, negative three yards. That's the same amount of rushing yards as Reggie Bush. Hey, that absolutely is. Yeah, it was uh, kind of fitting. And, uh, yeah, very dubious honor, to say the least. Think about think about that for a minute, Tom. We had more rushing yards than Reggie Bush. I know. It's actually uh, – maybe if I meet him, I'll bring that uh, I'll bring that stat up. I'll be like, you know, in 2016, I had more rushing yards than you. And so did he, so did she, so did he. It was, uh, yeah, pretty sad. I think it's the first time in NFL history where somebody with more than 10 carries finished with negative yards. Uh, just absolutely atrocious. And uh, I'll be, uh, I think my head would explode if he's still on the team next year. Yeah, no way. They're definitely going to make a change there. Reggie Bush, hey, don't be surprised. Maybe he calls quits and he ends his career. But, Tom, man, once again, congratulations on a great season. You beat me in the semifinals, man. That's a highlight right there, and you'll come strong next year. I know you will. But, hey, let's get right into it, Tom. We got four playoff games to cover. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, yeah, man, four playoff games. It kicks off on Saturday, 435 in Houston between the Texans and the Raiders. And, Tom, listen, these two teams – Let's not forget, played each other 
back in week 11 in Mexico City, and the Raiders won that game. But you know what the big difference was? Derek Carr was the quarterback, and he threw three touchdowns. This game, he's not playing. So, Tom, I set it up for you like this. The matchup will be Connor Cook, a rookie out of Michigan State, versus Brock Osweiler, who gets a second chance for the Texans. The floor is yours. You can go first, my friend. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, this is such a hard one to pick. I mean, you know, I've got to feel bad uh, for the Raiders fans. It's been, you know, about 14 years since they've been into the playoffs. And for, uh, you know, their superstar quarterback, Derek Carr, to go down like this uh, <clears throat> is just uh, – <clears throat> it's such a uh, such a travesty. Um I mean, luckily they are playing Houston, who is, I would have to say, the worst playoff team uh, right now that absolutely made it. But, um, I mean, this is a different game. I mean, I don't have much faith in Brock Eisweiler, but I have even less faith in Connor Cook. I don't like his chances coming in. Uh, I don't think he was expecting this. He's in for rude awakening uh, against that Texans defense. He isn't the best in the NFL, but, you know, it's still uh, – it could give uh, – him uh, a hard chance, you know, on the road. Um, you know, this is just shocking, but I'm going to go with Houston to win this one. I don't like Oakland to put up a lot of points. This say Houston wins this one 21-13. to 13. Yeah, I mean, not only did Derek Carr get hurt, but then their backup, Matt McGloin, gets hurt in Week 17 in that game against the Broncos with a shoulder injury. So they have to put in Connor Cook, as you mentioned, didn't think he would ever get into a game this year. He plays a little bit, throws a touchdown, throws the interception. But to think, Tom, that his first career start is going to come in the postseason, that's incredible. And then for Houston, their quarterback gets hurt in Week 17, Tom Savage. So now they have to go back to Brock Osweiler because there's no chance that Savage will be ready by Saturday with a concussion. So the $72 million man gets another opportunity to prove those Texans fans wrong. And I agree with you. I'm on the same boat. I don't trust Brock Osweiler at all, Tom. But you know what? I don't think he's going to pull Brian Hoyer. I don't think he's going to throw four picks in a playoff game like Hoyer did last year against the Chiefs when they lost to three. So, Tom, in game number one, we both agree. Give me the Texans to win. 19 to 16 over the Raiders. I do like that score. I think that could be very likely. And, uh, yeah, you know, we were talking before the show. They obviously put this game at, uh, you know, uh, 415 on Saturday for a reason. They usually – they tend to do that with probably the least uh, intriguing game of the weekend. Remember they did it a couple years ago when uh, the Cardinals played the Panthers, when uh, the Panthers had a losing record and the Cardinals were without Carson Palmer. And that game pretty much uh, lived up to its billing as the worst of the weekend. Uh, I see that this could happen. I do think, uh, imagine if uh, Connor Cook is able to do some uh, damage in these playoffs. Uh, yeah, that's just going to, uh, that will end up changing everything for his uh, everyone's perception of him coming out of college and could definitely make an interesting story, but I just don't see it happening. Now, people are probably wondering well, if Tom Savage is inactive, then who is the backup to Brock Osweiler? Well, if they want to bench Brock Osweiler, Tom, their third-string quarterback right now is the veteran, Brandon Whedon. 
Oh wow, I was unaware of that. That's a uh I know he probably played in a couple games last year, but that's a name I've just completely forgotten about. Uh, but yeah. No. I think uh I think yeah. It, uh, yeah, while you don't like uh Brock Eisler and what he's done this season, I don't think you want Brandon Weeding going in there. But you know, who knows? It's just uh you know, got to win by one point, and I think Houston can get it done uh, just as long as Osweiler doesn't throw many picks. Uh, I don't expect him to complete much more than half his passes, but, you know, as long as they can keep it close, I think they have a real good shot to win this. And, Tom, because of the quarterback situation for both teams, there's two things that are going to be locked and loaded. Number one, both teams are going to stack the box. You're going to see eight or nine guys right up there telling the quarterback, listen, beat me, all right? And number two is the running attack. And to me, that's the biggest X factor in this game with both of these teams, Lamar Miller and Latavius Murray, because, Tom, these guys are probably going to combine for between 40 and 50 carries. They're going to be relied on heavily, and the guy I trust the most is Lamar Miller because he's healthy, he's back, and he's ready to go because he missed the last two re- games of the regular season. So he's going to get a lot of carries. And in that game back in week 11, time, he had 104 rushing yards against that Raiders run defense. Uh, yeah, and I mean, well, the Raiders were very strong in many areas. Their run defense was not one of them. Uh, <clears throat> in, the Bill, in the game the Bills blew uh, in, like, week 14, if uh, I can – oh, sorry, week 13 uh, – yeah, we were pretty much able to run at them at will, at least for the first three quarters. So, uh, I mean, I like the matchup between Murray and Miller. I think they're both, uh, you know, kind of like that upper that upper uh, half of running backs in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, I just like uh, – I definitely like Miller's chances against that uh, Oakland defense more than the other way around. Again, you're listening to the Pigskin Pundits on Block Talk Radio. I'm Mark Ferraro. He's Thomas Murphy, and we're going through our NFL wildcard pick. So, Tom, let's continue with the second game on Saturday, beginning at 8.15 on NBC between the Lions and the Seahawks. And on Sunday, because the Redskins lost to the Giants, pretty much the Lions and the Packers both made the playoffs. The question was which team would win the division and which team would get in via the wildcard. And once again, Tom, the Lions disappoint. They have not won a division title since 1993, and they lost the last three games of the regular season. All playoff teams, Giants, Cowboys, and then the Packers in Week 17. And, you know, Matt Stafford, for the most part this season, has played well. Obviously, a few weeks ago, he's got, you know, he got banged up. But you know what? He's still out there, and he's producing. But it's a shame that the Lions could not win the division and for the Seahawks, Tom, for the most part, they have played well this season, but there's been a few games where we question whether or not they're really the same team. Can I take that next step? Because they had a couple of games which made you scratch your head when they lost to the Buccaneers and the Packers and the Cardinals. But in this game, Tom, you got to go with Seattle at home. To me, they're going to dominate. It's a tough spot for the Lions to go on the road in Seattle. I don't like their chances at all. So I'm going to go with Seattle to win, Tom, on Saturday night, 23-13 to 13 over the Lions. And a thing that could be a little intrigue to the game is a couple hours ago, 
the Seahawks did add Devin Smith to the roster, so he's going to be back there for Seattle on punt returns and kick returns, and we know what he has done in the past. So give me Seattle, Tom, to get the 10-point victory over the Lions on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, <clears throat> again, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Detroit, uh, they were like, they were in that number two spot, and it looked like, you know, they were like the shock of the NFL. They had a great record, and it's just kind of gone downhill from there in the past few weeks. I think their last win, like you said, the uh, three playoff teams that they lost two in a row, Their win, I think their win before that was the Bears, and uh, it wasn't even that impressive of a victory. So you can definitely tell they're on the uh, – they're on the downslide from Thanksgiving. Uh, and, yeah, Seattle, they haven't, uh, you know, they were my Super Bowl pick uh, at the beginning of the year, as we remember. Uh, but 10-5, 10 10-5-1 record isn't the worst thing in the world. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, you definitely expect more from the Seahawks. And I'm curious how far the Seahawks are going to go in the playoffs. I think, uh, you know, I think they have the ability to be one of the top teams um, you know, it'll just we'll just see how they do against the upper echelon like the Falcons and Cowboys. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, give me to win. Give me uh, the Seahawks to win this one very easily. I'm gonna have them win 31 to 14. Well, Tom, at least your NFC representative for the Super Bowls in the playoffs, as you mentioned, Seattle, because a team that I thought was gonna make it is not even in there, and that was the Arizona Cardinals, who obviously were one of the biggest disappointments this year in the National Football League. Oh, absolutely. Well, we can also reverse that, and I think you'll remember that my AFC representative was none other than the Buffalo Bills because I'm, ah, cause I'm, a, crazy, right. cause I'm a crazy person, and I sometimes bet with my heart and not my head. But, hey, I thought uh, we were going to do better at the beginning of the season. So it just goes to show you can uh, never tell uh, – you know, even even from the beginning of the season, it's so hard to tell. It's an interesting uh, stat. It's a little uh, – I hope it's uh, fitting here. But do you know that the three last undefeated teams in the NFL this season, none of those three made the playoffs this year? Really? Wow. Yeah, there would be the Vikings, the Broncos, and the Eagles. Granted, there was no uh, team that really went on a long stretch of being undefeated. But I think the Vikings started 5-0 and and the uh, Broncos – Broncos and Eagles both uh, started three and zero. So, uh, yeah, those uh, those three teams that were undefeated beginning of the year, none of them made the playoffs. So, just goes to show you what a long season it can be. Well, of course, and Tom, going back to this game for one second between the Lions and the Seahawks, because every game, Tom, we're going to look at X factors, and look no further in this game, the X. Seattle Seahawks, Golden Tate for the Lions, because I'll tell you something, Tom. This wide receiver does not get talked about enough. Another year, 90-plus catches, third straight year for Golden Tate, over 1,000 yards, number one target for Matthew Stafford. A tough test, of course, going up against the Legion of Boom in Seattle. But when you talk about one of the most underrated receivers in National Football League, Tom, Golden Tate's name should be at the top of the list. Oh, absolutely. And he's been doing it for years, too. It's just uh, somehow he's maybe just playing in Detroit and uh, for a lot of the time playing in Calvin, uh, for two years playing in Calvin Johnson's shadow, even when Calvin Johnson's numbers started to regress. But, yeah, no, he's a huge target there. And, 
and it's impressive he had another 1,000-yard season because if you look at the 1,000-yard uh, receivers this season, I think there were about half as many as there were last season, which is pretty unbelievable. I mean, last year was just a passing phenomenon. I think there were 26 players with more than 1,000 yards last season, which is unbelievable. I think there may have less than 15 this season. All right, Tom, now let's shift to the games on Sunday First, starting at 105 on CBS between the Dolphins, the sixth seed, and the third seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And these two teams did play each other back in week six in Miami, and the Dolphins actually won that game. They beat Pittsburgh 30-15. to So, Tom, you could go first with this one. I know I'm pretty sure you're not going to pick the Dolphins. Oh, wow. I mean, man, it seems like you just know me too well, huh? But, uh, yeah, I can definitely remember that uh, that week six game. I remember sharing some memes with you uh, because at that at that point, Miami, I think, was one and four, and nobody was uh, nobody was giving them a shot at anything. I think they were actually being considered uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL at that point. And, you know, that was the game that really turned it around. Uh, Jay Ajay had his first of three 200-yard games that he would have on the season against Pittsburgh. Uh <clears throat> And, you know, uh, this could be an actual, uh, you know, pretty fun battle. Um, you know, I just think it's going to go the opposite way. I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's been playing really hot uh, lately. Struggled a little bit with the Browns, but that game was, didn't really mean much to that. So uh, that would be understandable. And, uh, they, yeah, uh, Miami, I, you know, I can't say that they're frauds anymore. You know, they ended up going 10-6, and six and – you know, they're a team you're going to have to look out for in the future. They're uh, levels levels beyond that they've been the past few seasons. Uh, Pittsburgh's too hot right now. I think they're a team you're going to have to uh, look at to challenge the Patriots even for the uh, AFC crown. So give me the uh, Steelers to win this one uh, fairly easily. I'm going to say 27-14. to 14. Now, Tom, going back to that game in week number six, other stats that are not likely to duplicate themselves. You mentioned J.H.I., had 200 yards on the ground. Now, how about these stats for Pittsburgh in that game? Just a bad offensive performance. Big Ben threw under 200 yards, threw two interceptions. Le'Veon Bell only had 53 yards on the ground, and Antonio Brown only had four catches. I highly doubt all that's going to happen again this Sunday in Pittsburgh, and Miami has a big question at quarterback. We have no idea right now According to first-year head coach Adam Gaze, the 38-year-old, he did a great job. Got to give him a lot of credit for what he did with the Dolphins. But right now, it's either going to be Matt Moore or Ryan Tannehill because right now he has to practice, and he has not yet. So Matt Moore could be out there. We might not see Tannehill again this year. But for the third consecutive game, Tom, I do agree with you. We also have a similar score. I also have Pittsburgh scoring 27 points. But I have the Dolphins scoring 20, so a little closer than what you have. But a lot of that game time in week six, we're not going to see it again in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, no, this is definitely uh, a lot has changed since then. Uh, I mean, Miami is definitely kind of kept up at that pace. And Pittsburgh, they were kind of in that pattern uh, that they've been in for the past few years where they win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. But the past few weeks they've uh, – looked almost as good as any team in the NFL. And yeah, I just, I just see that continuing, especially against Miami. And that, 
that week six game is going to be uh, laying heavy on their minds. And with the quarterback issue there, uh, I mean, regardless of who for Miami, I don't see them, uh, you know, I don't see them getting past this round. And the big matchup to me on, with Tom on Sunday is the defensive line of the Miami Dolphins, especially, of course, Cameron Wake and Adamic and Sue, and the pressure that they can have on Big Ben, and they have to stop Le'Veon Bell. So all eyes are going to be on the two big guys up front for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, you know, we're going up against a real solid uh, offensive line and, uh, uh, of the Steelers with uh, David DiCastro and Alejandro Villanueva uh, and, you know, Mr. Uh, Morkais, Pine, uh, Morkais Pouncey. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're going to uh, – I mean, Bell is one of the most uh, talented running backs I've seen in a long time. His whole, like, stop and surveying the field and then just going on a – you know, just going on a moment's notice is one of the most impressive things I've seen. But, uh, you know, Sue and Wake, they're uh, – they're pretty monsters on that defensive line, so it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how that goes. I do, I do expect Bell to have a better game than he did uh, in week uh, in week number six, but um, yeah, the, the Dolphins may be able to make sure he doesn't become a main factor in the game. Tom, the fourth and final playoff game on Sunday at 4:40 on Fox. Of course, the most entertaining one of them all. The Giants and the Packers meet up again in the postseason at Lambeau Field. And let's not forget, though, you have to go all the way back to week five. These two teams actually played each other on Sunday Night Football, and the Packers won 23-16. to But in the past, we remember Eli Manning is 2-0 against the Green Bay Packers. And first for the Giants, all the controversy – surrounding their wide receivers and then partying in South Beach and clubbing with Justin Bieber, of all people, and Trey Songs with the wide receivers Beckham, Shepard, Cruz, and Roger Lewis. So that's been stirring up a little bit more for the Giants, something that they really don't have to deal with right now when they're playing a Packers team, Tom, which is hot. Aaron Rodgers. You can't get much higher than him in his last seven games. 18 touchdowns and zero, zero interceptions. He has definitely put himself back in the MVP discussion with his performance. He's been sensational. He said the Packers, Tom, were going to run the table, and they did exactly that. So in this game, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a classic. And I'll say one thing, if the Giants win this game, if they beat the Packers, watch out. I'm just saying. But with that being said, I'm going to give the edge to Rodgers and the Packers 21-17. to And, Tom, one stat to keep in mind with the Giants, they have not scored 20 points in a game since week 12 when they beat the Browns 27-13. to Oh wow, that is a stat I was uh, absolutely unaware of. But uh, yeah, that'll be very interesting to know. Uh, and you definitely mentioned uh, like the first thing that came to my mind with this game was how Eli Manning is two and zero against the Packers in uh, in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, it's and I think those both may have happened in uh, their Super Bowl years. So that's definitely something to uh, 
to look out for. Uh, this is without a doubt the game of the week that everybody is looking forward to and why it's, uh, why it is the last one of the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, you meant you said if Green Bay is about as hot as they come and how Aaron Rodgers has responded to when people were saying uh, if he's really regressed in his career, you know, earlier in the season where he just did not look like the Aaron Rodgers of old, uh, now he looks even, like, better than ever almost. Uh, you know, this was a hard one to pick, but you know what? We finally disagree on one. I'm actually uh-huh. going to uh, go with Big Blue and guess, guess how they're going to win, how I look to you. You love when I do this. In overtime, and they're ah! going to win by a, oh yes, and they're going to win by an entire touchdown, Sands extra point, and they're going to beat the Packers thirty to twenty four. And yeah, like you said, you know, uh, Giants, they are definitely not a team anybody anybody can sleep on in these playoffs. Of course not, Tom, and especially with the way that defense has been playing over the last few weeks under Steve Spagnola, especially all the acquisitions that Jerry Reese made in the offseason have worked out. Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Verdon, my boy, Mr. Snacks Harrison, even Dominic Rogers cromartie is having interceptions left and right. They're playing great, but obviously they have a big, big test on their hands on Sunday with Aaron Rodgers. But, Tom, of course, if the Giants, like you said and you predicted, if they win on Sunday – they have to face the Cowboys, and you know what? They beat them twice this year, and of course, it'd be tough for them to beat them a third straight time, but you never know. And Eli Manning, in the postseason, you look at his numbers, Tom, they're a lot different than his play in the regular season. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, I mean, of course, they have to get past the Packers first, but everybody is uh, everybody is kind of eyeing. If they are able to get past the, past the Packers, there's a really, really good shot unless Detroit pulls off, which uh, many people would think a miracle and beating Seattle in Seattle. Uh, but I'm not even considering that, but the Giants would be playing Dallas and, you know, you know Dallas would want their revenge, but I'm sorry. In that matchup, if, if it did come to that, uh, I mean, and also a, you know, a green Bay Dallas uh, matchup, be very, uh, would be very uh, fun as well. I just got to say Dallas, I don't think they're, uh, I think they're going to be rooting very, very heavily for the Lions this weekend because that's uh, obviously who they would play if uh, that happened to be the case. But uh, yeah, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely like Eli Manning's chances uh, having been in the playoffs so many times before over Dak Prescott. Uh, No doubt about that. And the last X factor that I have to mention in terms of these four games, and Tom, I'll tell you something, this guy has been really impressive for the New York Giants over the last few weeks, and that's the running back, Paul Perkins, who to me, Tom, has to be their number one back moving forward. He's been very good. He had over 100 rushing yards in Week 17 against the Redskins, 21 carries, he should be the main back moving forward. And if you could get anything out of him, that's even a bigger plus to this Giants offense, which still, Tom, has had a tough time scoring points over the last few weeks, as I documented before, how they haven't scored more than 20 points since week 12, Tom. Week 12. Yeah, I know. And definitely, uh, yeah, they're going to absolutely have to uh, score more, more than 20 points to beat uh, Green Bay. I don't, see, uh, I don't see them winning the defensive uh, battle with Green Bay, uh, you know, in a low-scoring contest. You know, they're going to have to uh, 
they're going to really have to take advantage on offense. And but yeah, Paul Perkins, what a uh, you know, uh, turning out to be a pretty good find drafted in the fifth round out of UCLA. Uh, a lot of people thought he would go uh, a lot higher, but was able to slip to the Giants, and uh, seems like they got another themselves in a nice little steal there. Now to recap our wild card games, Tom and I agree on three of them. The only one we disagree on, the last one. Tom is rolling with the Giants, and I have the Packers. Now, of course, Tom and I have to talk about our own two teams. We have some time on the program. So, Tom, I will let you go first. And the first thing I'm going to say, and this is a positive, because I saw your Facebook post a couple hours before, and I didn't know this was the anniversary. Well, January 3rd was the anniversary of that famous wild card game with your Buffalo Bills, their greatest comeback ever in the NFL history when they beat the uh, Oilers, I should say, in overtime, 41-38. to uh, Yeah, that's how, uh, that's how absolutely long ago it was. The, uh, it was against the Houston Oilers, who are now the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but, yeah, I remember that game very vividly. It was 24, 24 years ago yesterday. And uh, the funniest thing about that, it was uh, probably, They also mentioned this in the Bills documentary on ESPN. There are probably about a million people in the western New York area who claim to have been at that game, which is nearly impossible since the stadium only held 80,000 at the time. And the game didn't even sell out because it was a very uh, frigid, windy day that day. And a lot of Bills fans were a little disappointed because we were actually the wild card that year, not the AFC champs. That's the only year out of those four that we didn't win the division. So uh, there was a little bit of, little bit of disappointment there because we, uh, you know, we were a little jaded at that point. But what a what a great comeback that was! And it was actually Frank Reich, of course, and not Jim Kelly, who led that miraculous comeback, getting four touchdowns. Uh, four touchdown passes in the last uh, quarter and a half, which was just remarkable. And, uh, yeah, definitely one of the uh, one of the shinier moments in Buffalo Bills history. And speaking of the quarterback who was under center for the Bills that day, and this is a perfect segue, I think I heard a report, Tom, that he's going to interview with the Bills as a possibility to become your new head coach. Uh, yeah, I think he's um, he's one of a few names that has been uh, has been thrown around, uh, and you know hey, it would be fun. But I got to say, he probably isn't my first choice. You know, having come from San Diego, who really hasn't had that much success in the past few years. So, um, I mean, yeah, for novelty's sake, it would be fun, and you know, the nostalgia would be fantastic. But you know, hey, hopefully, we just hire the. Uh, best guy for the job. I know we think we're also bringing in Sean McDermott and Harold Goodwin. And a lot of people say Anthony Lynn is still possibly the favorite to get the job, but we'll probably, we probably won't know for at least another week, but who knows the news could come maybe as soon as tomorrow. We just never know. Now, Tom, I'm going to ask you this question and I think the answer is no, but I'm still going to ask you anyway, because I know you're a big fan of Anthony Lynn. Do you have any regrets or any doubt about him based on week 17 or no? You know, it's hard to say with EJ Manuel in there. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was just, uh, I mean, that game was just a mess, just all, all over. Sean McCoy didn't play. That game was really hard to, uh, 
get a complete read on him. Um, I think the most important thing going into this off season, uh, the the GM uh, and owners have said they're going to let the new coach decide which direction we're going to go in quarterback. So if Anthony Lynn is uh, if he's hired as coach and he uh, dis- and his uh, opinion is to retain Tyrod, I think that would be the best call. And pretty much, I want the coach who can do that because unless there's something I don't know, I do not think there is any other option out there better than Tyrod Taylor now. Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, and Tom, and we talked about this even off the air, and you made a great point. If you look at the quarterbacks that are available in free agency this year, the names are not sexy. I mean, you talk about Brian Hoyer, Josh McCown, okay, maybe Mike Lennon. I know people have some uh, questions about him. You know, Tony Romo might probably will be available, but is he going to come to our teams? Probably not. So Tyrod Taylor is your best option. I'm a little surprised in terms of what happened, you know, obviously with Rex Ryan, and there was reports that he didn't want to bench Tyrod Taylor, but the front office wanted them to go with E.J. Manuel. So a lot of question marks there, but I thought Tyrod Taylor did a pretty decent job for you guys this year. I absolutely – I have I have very little complaints. I mean, I can say, you know, he's definitely not the most accurate passer. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at his, you know, if you look at his touchdown to – touchdown to interception ratio it's about as good as any uh anyone in the nfl uh the past two seasons i think he's 37 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions he's had six interceptions uh last year and this year you know each year so he's definitely been consistent on that front and uh you know what he's able to do on you know you know escaping sacks and everything he's uh he's the best quarterback we've had since doug flutie i mean I know I'm not the biggest ball expert, but I just don't see how anybody can think that uh, you know we could probably do better than him. I mean, I think he's I think he's just done a fine job, and he was far and away not the problem with the Bills this year. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I know, and I agree, man. I think in terms of the options, that's the key. Because you could talk about, oh, yeah, the Bills should get rid of Tyrod Taylor. Well, who's going to replace them? And the names that are out there right now are not great. So I think the best thing for you guys is to stick with Taylor as your quarterback next season. And you mentioned, Tom, off the air to me on Sunday, the Buffalo Bills have the 10th pick in the draft. It's never too early to not only talk about the draft, but also to look at some mock drafts online. I know you have done it from now until Sunday. So right now, who do you see the Bills taking? Or based on websites, who do you think? He's going to go to Buffalo. Yeah, you know, uh, the things that are really, uh, they they make me shudder when I see people uh, having us taking Deshaun Watson, which I've seen quite a few times in the past, uh, in the past few days, because I I do not think Deshaun Watson is going to, is the second coming. And um, that would also mean that we're going to move away from Tyrod and just start all over from scratch again at quarterback, which is just not the way I want to go. But other than that, uh, you know, um, wide receiver, we could definitely use another guy to line up against Sammy. I don't think Robert Woods is a solid number two. Uh, while he thinks he is, since he, anytime he makes a basic catch, he likes to do a little dance and let everyone know that he made a reception. Uh, you know, so there's John Ross and Mike Williams out there. Uh, both of those would be uh, I would like. But um, I would definitely think, you know, maybe 
uh, shoring up this uh, secondary could be a uh, could be a, a big uh, uh, sorry what's the word yeah big priority. Uh, you know, there's a couple good safeties. Malik Hooker's safety from Ohio State declared uh, for the draft, and it looks like he's going to be a top 10 pick or top 15. And Jalen Adams from LSU, uh, and it's actually a very strong uh, crop for a, uh, of second uh, cornerbacks and safeties this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if we go that direction. Those are probably wide receiver secondary is what I'd like to, but I think quarterback is obviously a possibility if all the uh, if all the pundits are right, and we are going to move away from Tyrod. Well, isn't um, what's his name, Stephon Gilmore? Isn't he a free agent too in the off season? Uh, he is. I've heard rumors of us uh, franchising him. Uh, I kind of hope we don't. Uh, a lot of people are fooled because he had five interceptions this year, which was tied for second in the NFL. But uh, other than that, he was just absolutely atrocious. He played a little better in the last few. Uh, in the last few weeks, but probably from week one to week 10, he was about as horrible as any cornerback in the NFL. And another thing, Ronald Darby this past year really regressed. Uh, definitely suffered from a sophomore slump, which was very unfortunate. Uh, but I think he can bounce back, um, you know, and we still have him on contract for, you know, a few more years. Uh, but, yeah, Stephon Gilmore, some some team is going to overpay for him, so – I'm just hoping it's not us. Like I said, there's still the uh, option for us to franchise him. So, I mean, either way, if we franchise him, great. If uh, we don't, gives frees up a lot of money for us. Now, Tom, as far as my Jets are concerned, they have the sixth pick overall in the draft. And that sixth pick, they're actually used to picking there because a couple of years ago they selected Leonard Williams, who fell in their laps. And many years ago, they took Vernon Golson. So you never know who could come up with that uh, sixth overall pick. But in terms of the big news, obviously, with the Jets, they're going to retain head coach Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnett. And some people I know are a little disappointed by that, Tom. But you know what? When all is said and done, it's really tough to fire a head coach and get rid of a gym after two seasons, especially when the first season went pretty well for the first for the most part, I know week 17, we lost to your Bills, but we won 10 games with Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnet. And I think in year three, they deserve a chance to bounce back and see what they can do. Of course, they're going to be in the hot seat. And if we're in the same position next year, they're going to be both gone. But I think two years' time is tough to get rid of a guy. And especially like the quarterback situation in free agency, when you look at the head coaching candidates, Tom, there's not that many appealing names that are out there. Most of the guys who are going to get head coaching jobs are going to be first-time head coaches. Yeah, no, that is very true. And, uh, you know, when you, and you talk about both, I mean, the difference between, you know, where him and Rex Ryan is, yeah, uh, you know, the Giants made huge strides in, uh, in uh, 2015, had a very, uh, you know, bounce-back season. And also, I mean, uh, I mean, Bowles, I think he played it safe way, way, way too often. But uh, I definitely don't consider Bowles the main reason for uh, your lack of success this year. So much of it was the regression of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were some players on the defense that just didn't, uh, you know, definitely regressed as well. I mean, 
Uh, Darrell Rivas obviously is not the same cornerback that he once was. And Muhammad Wilkerson, I know he had a he had quite a slump during the season. He just uh, he did not uh, put up the numbers that he usually does. So um, you know, so I don't think. I mean, Bowles didn't seem to be the real issue, but yeah, I think he deserves one more year. But if uh, you know, do you have another five and eleven season? I think it's time to part ways with him. But I think he deserves one more shot. No, yeah, I think he does too. And listen, Bowles had a bad year. You mentioned his in-game decisions, not going for it, playing it safe, and then the whole locker room game in week three between the Jets and the Chiefs, how that changed everything in week three. So there's a lot of things that came on the locker room that I wasn't a big fan of, a little uh, confrontation, I guess, between Brandon Marshall and Sheldon Richardson. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of changes this year in terms of players, whether or not Revis will be back. I don't think they should bring him back. I will let him go. Could be the same for Brandon Marshall. Could be the same for David Harris, Nick Mangold. The Jets are going to make a lot of changes, and they have to because their cap situation is not great right now. So they're going to have to get rid of a lot of players if they want to improve to have some more space in free agency. And one guy who, Tom, that will not be back, and that's your old buddy Chan Gailey, who retired yesterday. So the Jets will be looking for a new offensive coordinator. You think there's got to be some scapegoat. So, of course, it's going to be Chan Gailey. And, you know, in terms of who they're going to hire for offensive coordinator, I can't really tell you. Now, the names out there so far that has been floated around, Mike McCoy, who got let go by the Chargers, maybe Norv Turner. I know the Jets are high on Eagles quarterback coach Joe DeFilippo, or DeFilippo, so I don't know who they're going to hire, but the two things they have to do, Tom, okay? Number one, you get a tight end and you actually use a tight end. What a concept. Use your tight end. And how about we use Bilal Powell? How about we use Bilal Powell early in the season? They always like to use him late in the season. He's a pretty good running back. Why don't you use him consistently throughout 16 weeks? How about that? Hey, yeah, no, that sounds like a good plan. Why do you, you know, I just don't understand. Why don't they hire you as uh, the offensive coordinator? You know, you definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, you've been uh, you've been pretty high on Bilal Powell for quite uh, some time. And, yeah, he had a, he did, he was pretty impressive against us in week 17. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, we were talking about the uh, draft at number six, uh, a name I've been seeing quite a bit. I know a lot of, a lot of talk about quarterbacks, but I think a lot of teams in the top 10 talking about that. Uh, but Leonard Fournette is a name I've been seeing going to the Jets quite often at uh, number six, and that's if he's still available. Yeah, you know what? I did see his name, and you know what? If they ever took him, I actually wouldn't be that upset with it because pretty much the Jets need every single position upgraded. So, And I think at that spot at six, I don't think there's an offense alignment that they would take that high. And in terms of defensive players, they're always used to taking defensive players in the first round. The last time they took an offensive player in the first round, you have to go back to 2009 when they took Sanchez as their quarterback. Since then, strictly defense, defense, defense. And you know what? If they take a running back at number six, I wouldn't go crazy about it because you still got Bilal Powell and Matt Forte is up there in age and they still need game breakers on offense. So if you can get a running back, especially if they could get a young guy and an improved offensive line, which is the key, Tom, you know what? I wouldn't be too upset with that. 
Oh, yeah, you know, it's just uh, mo- more than anything, you want a player that's going to be good three years from when you draft them. That's always the uh, that's always the big thing. Everybody, you know, everybody gets all upset. It's like, oh, well, we didn't need that. But, you know, if he turns out to be a huge upgrade, like, it definitely was not a loss. So, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of where I'm at at the draft. I was not expecting to pick, be picking at number 10 at all this year. But, uh, yeah, somehow, somehow it was lucky. And, uh you know, with, uh, you know, going seven and nine and, you know, pick, I think when we've gone six and 10, we haven't picked that high. So, you know, we got kind of, we got pretty lucky with the way the uh, NFL fell this year. Well, Tom, my man, thank you as always for joining me on the program, going through the four wild card games. It should be very exciting. They kick off on Saturday. We'll keep in touch, obviously, throughout the weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, we'll, we'll do it again next week. Okay, man. All right, sounds great, man. And, yeah, we'll be in touch this weekend. Absolutely. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your week in all the wild card weekend games. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark F. Ferraro. Murphy is at Murphy TB. Thanks for listening to the program. You don't know how much we appreciate it every single week. And, as always, don't forget to tune in next time to the Pigskin Pundits with your host Mark Ferraro and Thomas Murphy, only on Block Talk Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.